One, two, three. Ready or not? Oh, my dearie. Oh, hi, Mommy. Wanna play? A lot of children have imaginary friends. And oftentimes, it's a uh, positive experience. Is there anything we can do to help be less, you know, destructive? You could try playing with him at home. He's a good kid. You know, he's just got a really, I don't know, vivid imagination right now. Josh. Joshua, I am speaking to you. You put our son on medication and didn't tell me? Not seeing what I'm seeing, you don't understand how bad it is. You saw Z, didn't you? He's here with you, isn't he, Bob? Get off that track! I never want to see you again! He saw you too. I swear, I saw something standing in the corner watching me. using your son to try to reconnect with you. I'll be right up. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. My name is Mitch, and I'm one of the regular hosts that you hear every single week. And for this very special episode, uh, my co-host Kyle Boozy and I will be welcoming a very special guest. He is a producer, a VFX artist, a writer, and a director, and his name is Brandon Christensen. Uh, He's here today to celebrate the release of his brand new horror film, Z, which hits the streaming service Shudder today, May 7th, 2020. We're thrilled to be able to sit down to chat with Brandon on the day of Z's official release. The three of us had the opportunity to watch both Z and Brandon's previous feature, Stillborn, which is also available on Shudder prior to recording this conversation. If for some reason you're one of those people who still doesn't have a Shudder subscription and you want to give it a try, you can use the promo code SHUTIN to receive a free 30-day trial. Brandon made this episode very easy for us. Brandon's a very well-spoken guy, and he can tell he you can just tell that he has an affinity for this genre similar to those who love it enough to want to listen to our podcast on a regular basis. We were truly grateful to be able to talk horror with one of the guys out there on the front lines making quality films to entertain all of us. Brandon Christensen's a very intelligent, talented, and astute young filmmaker. If he isn't already, I'm sure Brandon is going to be someone that a lot of young up-and-coming filmmakers are going to be looking up to in the future. In this episode, you'll learn of Brandon's humble beginnings in the film industry that took him from Calgary, Alberta to Toronto for film school to where he is currently living and working now in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you haven't yet, be sure to follow Brandon on Instagram at the Brandon Christensen. That's once again, the Brandon Christensen. And also subscribe to his YouTube channel. He's been making some killer short films with his kids during quarantine, and they absolutely deserve your attention. You can even just search the title of the shorts. It's called Scaredy Cats, and his page will pop up. You can also follow us on all social media platforms, such as Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're active on all those platforms, so give us a follow or shoot us a message. Uh, We will be back this coming Monday to continue our Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective series with a double feature of Dream Warriors and the Dream Master. We'll be bringing our friend Seb Terrio all the way from Moncton, New Brunswick, along for the ride with us. Seb is the the graphic designer behind the company Stereo Design. He's done work for people like Trailer Park Boys, Danny Trejo, NoFX, uh, Lagwagon, the list goes on. He has a very impressive resume, and we are very much looking forward to talking to him. He also helped design the Terror Table logo. 
but for now, make sure you check out Z this weekend on Shutter. Tweet about it. Tell your friends about it. Make your sister who has a toddler watch it. Help get the word out. This is how us fans can help allow these creative types to continue to share their stories with us. But for now, let's just sit back and enjoy this conversation with filmmaker Brandon Christensen. The last letter of the alphabet is Z, 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 as in Zelda, Ziva, Zoe, Zeke, and Zachary. All right, welcome to the terror table, Brandon Christensen. How's it going, man? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. Today's the today's a big day for you. Today's the official release of your brand new film Z. Yeah, it's it's sweet. Actually, last night at 9 p.m. I checked Shutter and it was on there, and that was kind of cool because I wasn't I you know Netflix puts their stuff at 12 uh, Eastern. And so um, I, I wasn't I wasn't sure what Shutter would do. So when I you know I refreshed and it was right there, I was like, oh, it's 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 going, it's it's live. And then it's That's just awesome. like now now what you know two years of your life and it's just uh, it's there on refresh. So yeah, how, of, how does uh, it feel? <laughs> yeah, that must be exciting. Uh, it's cool. I mean, we finished it a year ago, so it's been um, it's been a long road to get here. You know, like we did the festival circuit for a while. Shutter acquired it, um, you know, eight or nine months ago. So it's been. It's been sitting, you know, and just waiting. And uh, our last screening, I think, was in November. So it's been a big gap between the last time I thought about it and, you know, and now. So it's it's kind of cool because I've been doing a bunch of podcasts and interviews and stuff like that, and just um, everything coming up again. It's it's kind of fun to rediscover some stuff. Um, it gave me some time to think of some BS answers I can give everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. That might lead into a quick question I actually had about uh, your release on Shutter. Mm-hmm. I was curious about like just how your relationship with Shutter all began because I know you had Stillborn came out on Shutter as well, right? Yeah, it was uh, Stillborn was purchased by uh, Vertical Entertainment, and then they sold the streaming rights to Shutter directly. And uh, it was kind of funny because Vertical they did kind of that uh, you know the the iTunes Google release, and they did like uh, ten theaters across the country. Uh, for a weekend and it's just sort of a very very super limited release but um you know it kind of came and went while in places like latin america like columbia it came out in theaters wide and it was the avengers endgame or not endgame uh what was the one before endgame uh infinity war and then stillborn was right below it so it was this like weird thing (laughs) where i was totally disconnected from like the real releases over it you know uh down in latin america and stuff and and so uh, it was just kind of like it came here, it went, and that was it. But then Shutter, when they took the rights, they they released it on Mother's Day as well in 2018, and you know they they branded it as this Mother's Day film and all that stuff, and that's where it kind of had a second life and took off again, and it became kind of a you know a cult hit on uh, on Shutter, where you know it was like the top in the top five most reviewed films, the top five uh, most rewatched films and stuff like that. And it was kind of like holy crap, like this little movie we made, it kind of had had legs. Um, so that was really cool to see. And so when we when we were starting to work on Z, um, Shutter was you know they were being pretty proactive about hey what are you, you know what are you, what is this Z movie what are you you know and they were very early on kind of getting trying to get themselves attached to it. So um, you know I love Shutter. I think that what they're doing is super cool. Um, I think uh, you know they're priced right and their library is pretty awesome and it's ever expanding. So I think it's a cool partnership to have. I mean I keep telling them I'm like I want to be the Mike Flanagan. For you guys, you know, I want to be, I want to be that guy that's just churning out awesome stuff for you, like uh, he's doing for Netflix. Um, but uh, we'll see. Hopefully, that could happen. 
Well, you seem like a you seem like a perfect fit for Shutter. So we've we got a chance that we find that we checked out Stillborn and uh, we saw Z last night last night or over the last couple days, and both of them like you definitely have your own distinct style and like just first of all congratulations on your second feature being released today officially. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're I know Boozy and I, we talked about Stillborn for probably a half an hour together uh, nice. just because it uh, it spooked us real good. And you scared the living shit out of my girlfriend multiple times, <laughs> uh, especially especially in Z. Like the, my it, I just want to say that it's very rare that you get to see a horror film that will get someone to scream out loud. And my girlfriend actually screamed while watching your movie. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, that, uh, so that's that, what you're hoping for, for sure. Yeah. So it's it's got to be a little bittersweet because this is, without a doubt, Z seems like the kind of movie that would just kill in a group setting. Um, but at the same time, it's amazing that it's being able to be available for so many people while they're at home through this strange time. And uh, so how, how are you feeling about all of that stuff right now? Like with, uh, I know during this quarantine, it seems like I, from what I can understand, you've been making short films with your kids. Uh, yeah, I mean, this whole thing is just bizarre, you know, no, no one can really figure out what is, what is happening right now. It's like we're in this weird twilight zone thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, so it's been kind of strange because I was, there was some more festivals that were supposed to play it coming up right now and that, you know, they all got canceled and everything. So you kind of lose that that immediate response uh, with the audience. Because, I mean, that's the biggest thing. When you go to a festival and you're kind of traveling with the film, you're able to sit in with a bunch of people that are, you know, they, they're they just like, they're stoked to be there. They're, they want to see your film. They want to be scared. They're just like the perfect audience. And all these horror festivals are so great at kind of bringing those together that, um, you know, when, when they get canceled and all these things get canceled, it does kind of take away that ability to, to kind of be there and watch those responses because... Um, you know, it's it's always interesting to see how people react to it. Uh, like with Stillborn, um, we did our, our world premiere at Overlook in 2017, and uh, the the there's the baby monitor jump scare at around 12 minutes, and it yeah. you know it like blew up the room there. You know, and we didn't know because we never did test screenings or anything like that. You pretty much are just going on your own instincts, and so when that you know that happens and everyone just goes from the, it's very quiet and subdued until that point. And that's like this big bombastic moment. That's just like, boom, and hits you in the face. And there was just like audible, like, ah, you know, yeah. it, was, <laughs> it was crazy. And so the same thing happened in Z, uh, at the one moment that I'm, I'm not going to say, but you know, it's, it's, <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. It's, it's the same thing happened. And I didn't know, like, I, I knew that that was going to be effective. And I knew that, you know, the moments after are really dark and everything, but I didn't know how the reaction would actually be live. So seeing that at the first screening was really cool. And then it just became a thing where it's like, you know, exactly when it's going to happen. So you get your phone out, re record the audience and stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is a bummer. It'd be nice to see it in more theaters, but I'm glad that right now it's kind of like the double-edged sword. There's a lot more people that are going to watch it right now, probably because they're all kind of cooped up. But uh, you know, there's not going to be those social viewing, you know, events that that um, that that comes with like a traditional theater release. Absolutely, but yeah, I just want to make sure people go and check out your YouTube channel as well. It's just Brandon Christensen because you uh, released. I just watched it this morning, actually. Oh. Your first <laughs> episode, uh, Scaredy Cat. Right. Yeah. And... It's, uh... oh, yeah. Go ahead. It's it's really cool, man. And it seems like uh, uh, one thing. Well, I'm sure we're going to delve into it a little bit today, but uh, you definitely seem like you have a deep rooted love for like it seems like a, I, you love Poltergeist. You got to <laughs> it's, you a Poltergeist uh, fan. 
Yeah, Poltergeist's amazing. I mean, the clown, the the yeah. you know, with the stretchy arms, it's terrifying. And uh, oh, yeah. just the idea of just you know the, the the iconic image of looking at a TV that's where it's just that I think encapsulates so much of what I think is interesting as horror is just perspectives. Like this kid is seeing something that the adult is not. And I think that's such a cool thing where it's just like either through imagination, through possession, through whatever it is, um, just dealing with the point of views of one of singular event from an adult and a child's perspective, I think is really interesting just because, you know, kids are dumb and they perceive things differently than, you know, you do when you're a smart adult, you know. So I think <laughs> I think that is really cool. And just playing with that is a lot of fun. Absolutely. Cool. And uh, yeah, so one thing I want to before we fully delve into everything today, I just want to make it clear that like, I, I'm sure you do these things all the time, you do press all the time. So I don't want to ask you the same questions. We don't want to ask you the same questions that you get all the time. So if for any, t any reason, we ask something that you're just tired of answering, just say next and let's move on because we want to have fun <laughs> with you today. Today yeah. is supposed to be a celebration of your new film. And we're also going to be celebrating by talking about your top five creepy kid films. Um, but obviously we'll, we'll end the episode off with that, but look for the first little bit. We just want to talk about you as a horror fan. We want to know what made you become the, the horror fan that you are today. Uh, so can you let us know what your first experience with horror was? Yeah. I mean, the first one that I distinctly remember was when I was in kindergarten in 1990, the, uh, ABC had the, the it miniseries. Um, and I don't know why, but my parents let me watch it with them. So <laughs> you know, I'm five. I'm five years old, and I'm watching this thing that, you know, I, a five-year-old shouldn't be watching, based on a property that's very, very adult. And um, my dad always had the hardcover, you know, the the classic giant yeah. uh, hardcover of the book. I have it now, which is great. But it was always just in the house, and it's it's this giant tomb of a book. It's just it, the giant red letters on it and everything. And that combined with seeing this movie that I definitely shouldn't have been seeing. Um, you know, it, it definitely scarred me a little bit. And that, that film, like, not even joking, it, there was a period from kindergarten through the eighth grade where I was having these recurring nightmares about Pennywise. And it was always the same thing. Like, my brother and I had hit him, like, we had beat him, and we hit him in our closet. And then at night, you know, he'd be looking in the closet, and Pennywise would be waiting there, and he would come out, and it would all happen again. And it happened until I was in the eighth grade, and I was able to watch it again. Um, and I realized, like, oh, this is actually terrible. <laughs> so, so, but it took those, you know, there was those eight years, those formative years where I was just scarred by this thing. And I think it, it, it led to just, um, there is something about like the communal aspect of being scared, like being with a friend and trying to scare each other. Um, my friend Dan and I used to, we used to walk around at night, uh, just in the community and just walk through alleyways and try and hype each other up and just be like, Oh, you know, what if Michael Myers came out of that, that gate right there and just like try and get really scared. And, uh, you know, eventually you're in the middle of this alleyway, it's pitch black and you're just like, you know, crap in your pants. And so you just, it's just sort of having that visceral feeling. Um, uh, and, and, you know, I th and watching films, all, you know, every Halloween we'd watch a film as a family. And I do remember watching um, The Shining with my parents. I think it was the sixth grade. And uh, every time there's a scary moment, like, or nudity with the woman in the tub, my mom would grab me and hold me and just like cover my eyes. And you're left to sort of wonder what is going on on the screen you know you're like you're like what's so scary that's you know making my mom and dad freak out and your imagination starts churning and you're building up these ideas of what they're seeing 
And, you know, oftentimes it's scarier than what is actually being shown. Um, but it ends up being kind of like the Jaws effect where the less, it's like a less is more is actually scarier because it allows you to fill in the gaps and what you can come up with is so much scarier. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think just because of it, really, it's, it's always been sort of ingrained, just this being terrified at all times. Uh, it helps kind of make you grow up a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it, were your parents pretty lax about like what you were allowed to watch growing up? Uh, yeah. I mean, they must have been. But I, I mean, we watched The Simpsons without problem. My, my wife, she says that she wasn't allowed to watch that, so apparently that's something. But that's I, I don't. Yeah. I, I had so many friends growing up who like weren't allowed to watch The Simpsons for some reason. Right. And it's. I mean, watching it now, it is definitely a very adult show. But it has these, you know, very childlike things with Barton and his misadventures that that allows it to kind of uh, appeal to a kid. But um, yeah, I mean, I can't ever recall a situation where they said, "No, you can't watch that." And if they right. did, we would just my brother and I were something we would just do it on our own. You know, when you've got four kids in the house, there's only so much parenting I think you can do. You guys, <laughs> I've just got slipped through the cracks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like I've got three kids now and. I don't want to be watching everything they're doing all the time. They can, they can, figure, they can figure it out for themselves. Speaking of you growing up, like for, from what I can understand, you were born in Calgary. Yep. Is that correct? Yeah. So, yeah. so did you, when did you make the move from Calgary? That's only five hours away from where we are right now. Yeah. I, um, I was 20 or I was uh, 19 when I, I moved to Toronto for film school. I went to the Toronto film school and uh, I went from, I did like the 18 month program or whatever. It's like a technical school. And then I uh, moved back to Calgary for a year and was trying to game plan how I would take, you know, tackle this career in film that I just uh, spent a bunch of money on. And then um, I ended up moving back to Toronto and trying to start a company with my friend. And uh, it was around the time Halo 3 came out. So our, <laughs> <laughs> our, our productivity was super Say low. No more. Yeah, we'd be up until you know, <laughs> yeah. all hours of the night playing Halo 3 and not... Well, you had to, to, though. Yeah. There was no was, option. Yeah, it was like a cultural thing, right? So yeah, that was uh, a great game, too. For sure. And so a year you know, a year into Toronto, I, um, my, my lease was up and I was making no money in the field that I wanted to be in, mostly self-inflicted. And so uh, I moved to Las Vegas because my sister was there and she was just like, hey, come on down and, and see what's up. And so I, I just went down for a quick trip and she got me an interview at some uh, corporate production company and they hired me while I was there. And so I was just like, oh, OK, I guess I guess I'm moving to Las Vegas. And I lived there for 12 years. Wow. That's oh, wow. amazing, man. And like, so that brings me to my next question is, do you, so now you're an American resident. Do you still consider yourself a Canadian boy because us Canadians pronounce it Zed? I know it's it's funny uh, with with Shutter too. Um, one of the heads at Shutter, uh, Emily, she's she lives in the UK, and uh, even after they've acquired it, even after she'd seen it, and we've had phone calls and stuff, she still refers to it as Zed. And it's just like you know, there's no there's no English dub for them. You know, it's not changing <laughs> every time. So it is funny that it. I, and and it's funny. I actually remember why. My uncle put it in a way that made sense to me because Zed, it's it's cool. I mean, I think certain cars sound better with the Zed in it, but um, he was just like, "There's no other letter in the alphabet that rhymes with Zed." You know, it's it's all usually sure. A's and G's and E sounds, and so the Zed thing just kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, so I've kind of I've, I've I've 
gone that way. But yeah, there's still a lot of Canadianisms. It's it is very tough to lose that Canadian part, like pasta, pasta, Mazda, Mazda, yeah. things like that. They, <laughs> even even something as subtle as saying what grade you're in in school. Like here, if yeah. you say, "Oh, I'm in grade three, everyone looks at you with like, "What?" And and, and they and they, and Americans are very bad at just being like, "Oh, he's a little different." They're gonna say something, you know, yeah. like like they're gonna make you feel bad about saying the wrong thing, which is funny because you can go to like Minnesota or somewhere in the Midwest, and there is some thick accents, and they're totally chill with those. <laughs> you know, so it's 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 very it's just but you know when you're away from Canada for a while, you do start to pick up uh here you know your your ear becomes attuned to when you go home and you're visiting and you're hearing like your you know people in your family are like oh i don't remember that that's new <laughs> yeah but uh, i don't know I, I do consider myself a canadian uh and i i'm kind of nomadic at this point my kids are american my wife is still canadian she has a green card but um yeah it's it's i don't really consider myself anything really i'm just like i feel pretty fortunate that i'm able to kind of jump back and forth yeah um, uh, and by country, uh, whatever it is. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> where, did, uh, just... where did the production for Z take place? It was like... in and outside of Calgary. Okay, Same yeah, because I noticed the school was a Calgary school. So I was curious oh, yeah. if that was maybe just a nod or if that was an actual uh -huh. location. No, that was, uh, yeah, we shot in and around Calgary. The um, the main house that, uh, the house, uh, like the, the Parsons family house, that was out in Pritis, which is 30 minutes outside of Calgary. And then the train was at a place called Mossley, which is about an hour south of Calgary. And then uh, the old mom's house and the school and stuff, those were closer to downtown. So it was, um, yeah, it was, it was all around Calgary. And Stillborn was the same thing. Um, uh, it was all around Calgary. Uh, Man, I, you, you made Stillborn, like, you made that look like the most beautiful calling card for Calgary. <laughs> like it, it looks just amazing there. Like we were when we were watching, we were like, I can't believe that's Calgary. Like right. my, I have family that lives there, and it is a gorgeous city. But like uh -huh. you really made it like pop. Like that that area that Stillborn was shot in is just gorgeous. Yeah. It's actually my parents' house. We weren't supposed it, to be I shooting was there. I was gonna ask that actually. Like so, and I was gonna yeah. Okay, that that, that explains some things. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a uh, we we had a house originally that we had locked down. It was um. Because I mean, finding a house to spend a month in is is pretty challenging, and we had a you know a small kind of suburban starter home in a very kind of packed together suburban area in Calgary, and uh, about a week before production, maybe a week and a half, um, the the realtor that we were dealing with was like, "Hey, we just got a cash offer on this house; you can't use it anymore," oh, and we were just like scrambling, and uh, it was a Friday, and we started the not the the Monday after that Friday, but the Monday after, and uh, you know we needed to start prepping everything for this location. And so uh, we were just kind of reaching out to every realtor in the city, reaching out to everyone. And we're like, we'll pay, you know, we'll give you money to find us a place and trying to throw money at the problem, which when you're an indie like us, it's not something that you have. And uh, eventually it was just, you know, I, I hat in hand, I went to my parents and I was just like, man, we <laughs> can we shoot in your house? And it was like an instant. Yes. You know, they were just like, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll move out for you for a month. That's fine. It That's was really unreal. Cool. Uh, that was, that man, was nice. That's that's crazy because also like uh, how you must have some incredibly supportive parents because if I'm uh, obviously they've seen the film and I'm wondering how they're feeling about having like a bunch of dead babies in their house. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> what we had um, when we were filming, we we used like we always had a real baby. It was my niece, but uh, <laughs> it was a very family movie. You got the, um, yeah, I got the whole family involved. <laughs> yeah, we did. It, 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 it was kind of a once in a lifetime thing that I don't think they'll ever want to do again. But uh, 
we had a like a fake baby that we could kind of light with and stuff like that and use if we if the baby wasn't there. Fortunately, the baby really like its feet makes an appearance in one shot, but that's it. Um, but we had this baby named Santiago that was on the call sheet, and it would be kind of put wherever it needed to be. And when I was just back home and uh, for Christmas this year, I was kind of looking around through old boxes and stuff like that, and I found. Santiago in their like wine cellar thing and I was like oh it's it's he's still filthy and gross but he's been living in that house for the last three years just hidden away and it was uh, it was pretty funny but oh, that'd uh be awesome if they found him yeah I know it was, <laughs> it, it was kind of a weird discovery like oh man this is it is very creepy it's a pretty lifelike doll but uh yeah they were they were cool about it because we you know there's some damage done in that film like we broke some stuff unfortunately and there's still some marks from from what we did that they didn't get fixed yet so stillborn is always kind of a part of that house now yeah build some character yeah for sure um i'm gonna, gonna throw you a hypothetical here um so if you had the opportunity to what movie would you like to either like remake or make a sequel to if you had an opportunity just to choose whatever Huh. Um, I, know, I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, let me think. Let's just, there's some dead space here. We can just allow that to be cut later. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I'm like looking around my room like, what can I remake? Uh, I oh think, it, well, obviously you could kill an Omen remake. Yeah, I mean, I, I do love the family stuff, and the Omen is great because it's dealing with. I mean, that the Omen was the initial inspiration for Z, so that would be. I kind of feel like I did my own take on the yeah. Omen, so I don't know if I'd really want to do that. I, I need something like uh, a little bit older of the kids. Like I need a fifty. What's a fifty? Maybe Children of the Corn would be fun. I know they're redoing yeah. that right now. Some, someone someone needs to. Yeah, I think that I think they are. They're doing a, a re like they're rebooting it. Um, I just read how? on. How about I help you with this question? Because sure. um, uh, one thing, I, yeah, that's something I noticed in both of your movies. Like, so you're you're a family man. Like, you've spoken about your kids and your like your relationship with your parents and your wife and everything. And that's got to be something that's inspired you in both Stillborn and Z. So that's been something that you bring to your films. Um, I was wondering if you have a pool in your backyard and if you could possibly get a shark in there because Boozy and I really like shark movies. Right, and you could potentially make a shark movie next. That'd be cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, doing a Jaws-type film. But, I mean, when you listen to Spielberg talk about how horrible it was to do that and being on the open water and stuff like that, that sounds awful. I mean, yeah. I, when I did It Stands and Stands Red, we were three hours away from, you know, civilization shooting that film every day. And it's not fun. I mean, that was that was kind of the impetus of making Stillborn a house movie. It's like, okay, we just spent all this time in the desert, and it's a nightmare. Let's do something in, like, the most comfortable place possible, like a house. And just spend the most of our time in a house and make this a comfortable film. And even still, it sucks, like because you're in a house and you're in the same rooms all day and you're just like going crazy. So um, I do, yeah, I need something. I need something that's outside but close to a house, <laughs> so I can <laughs> I can have bathroom breaks and stuff, and I can be still comfortable. Uh, I don't know. I, I think you have to do the George Lucas thing where everything's a green screen and just there sit back and drink coffee and just watch <laughs> yeah. while, while everybody works. That sounds awesome. There's worse uh, ways to do it. That sounds all right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, man, this is a terrible answer. Uh, there is no answer. It's not even an answer. It's, it's just, okay, uh, man. You, 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 can, uh, you can get back to us next time you come on if you, if you ever want to join again. Well, um, if, if the omen was being some inspiration for the film, since you were the writer director on Z, how did the whole project kind of come together? Was this like a passion project or an idea you kind of been working on for a while? How did it sort of all start and develop? 
So uh, after Stillborn came out, I was trying to figure out what was next because that's whenever you spend two years of your life making something, the first question that everyone asks is, okay, what's next? And you're just like, well, I just spent two years doing this. Like, I don't know yet. And so, you know, you're forced into figuring out what, what you want to do next. And uh, my oldest son, Sawyer, he had just started kindergarten. And there was the whole letting him go for the first time in your life where it's just like, here, you, you know, drop him off. He's gone for the day, Monday through Friday, and there's this weird disconnect in those hours when he's at school, and um, he comes home, and then all of a sudden he's like, hey, I learned this today. Hey, I, you know, look at this thing I drew. Hey, I, you know, I, all these new things that he's coming home with that you're not in charge of anymore, um, and it was kind of weird. There's this just weird feeling where you're the parent, you've been watching them for five, six years, and all of a sudden, they've got a mind of their own a little bit, and so... That was the original idea because I liked the idea of doing something about a kid. I kept going back to the omen and, and just trying to think of how, you know, where's the creepy kid story that, that we can do. And then when Sawyer started coming home with these ideas and, and these new things, my wife and I were talking about it and my wife dropped the imaginary friend bomb. She's like, oh, what about an imaginary friend? And so that kind of got the, the wheels turning and uh, we started to develop this idea together about, a, you know, a kid that has an imaginary friend that was not... Uh, you know, that was the mom's imaginary friend when she was a little girl and it like wants her back. Um, and so that was that was really the idea. And a big a big movie, too, that we were watching uh, while we were kind of developing it was Orphan, which I'll talk about later, too, because that's that's a, that's an awesome movie. Yeah, very uh, good. It's it's when you read like if you read the Wikipedia summary of it, it sounds like the stupidest thing in the world. Well, <laughs> like, I, I remember I didn't want to see that movie. I, I thought it I didn't look good, and then I watch it and I love it. And uh, yeah. that's actually like my girlfriend and I we quote that movie a lot in our house. I always say, "Limit the care of you," because <laughs> that yeah. one scene is so scarred. <laughs> Which is taking care of Peter. Yeah, yeah. it's. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's very very strange movie, but it works. It works very well, and like yeah. some of the beats and stuff, we were trying to like, okay, what's happening here? Breaking that film down a lot and why it works so well. Um, but that was, you know, it was a big inspiration for Z for sure. Did you okay? Uh, since your wife came up with that idea, did you have any experience with imaginary friends? Like, did you have any sort of imaginary friend growing up? No, uh, I no. mean, not that I can remember. I did have some issues with some, like, severe anxiety when I was in the third grade, fourth grade. Um, just, like, for some reason, I just couldn't go to school alone. Like, my parents had to take me. I had to go see a child therapist and everything, and everybody was very worried about me, and I was just sort of in my own bubble. But, like, the scene with Stephen McCaddy watching Josh play that game, like, that yeah. was straight up ripped out of my childhood. You know, I'm sitting there playing a game as he's asking questions and trying to get me to open my mind a little bit and be distracted so I could answer truth truthfully. Um, that was a, that was like ripped from, from, you know, my, my history. Cause I, it was just this weird like year and a half period where I just had just severe anxiety if I wasn't with, you know, my family or my parents or something like that. Very strange at the time it, it was super embarrassing, but now it's cool. Um, but you know, just the amount of stress I put on my parents because they didn't know what was going on. And I'm sure that, there was a similar thing where people probably side-eyed them, like the teachers and the principal at school, because I couldn't go to school without them dragging me in. Right. Um, there was probably a lot of that sort of social anxiety for them where they're wondering, they don't have an answer for it. Uh, I don't have an answer for it. The therapist doesn't have an answer for it. It just is a thing that they're dealing with. And so that was a big part of what, you know, the whole thing with Beth and dealing with uh, 
you know, losing her friends and no, no one wanting to play with Josh anymore because he was such a weird kid. Um, that was, you know, that was definitely truthful to, to me, but, um, yeah, no imaginary friend. Pennywise lived in my closet. That sucked. But, uh, <laughs> but beyond Never that, a good no. Thing. no, no, not at all. Do you That's find cool, that man. having like a family helps with writing those sort of characters since, uh, like Stillborn and Z are both fairly heavy in family drama? Is that, does that help having like a kid dynamic and being a parent? Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of depth from like actually being a parent that you can take from. Like some of my favorite moments in Z is when she's doing that phone call montage and she's talking to all the parents and no one wants to play with Josh. Uh, yeah. The parents are all scared of him. Like that kind of stuff is really terrifying to me. And in and and little things in Stillborn, like her trying to breastfeed and it's just not working, and right. just that kind of rejection of of you from a baby is just this really interesting thing that you know you you do see sometimes when you're a parent i think those things when parents watch the film they connect to those ideas a lot um it, it's funny because like you know i try and put a little bit of myself in some of the characters and i'm kind of a moron so these dad characters in these films are also kind of morons and everyone's always <laughs> like oh the dad's an idiot and I'm like, but that's me in that film. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm that guy right now. I'm making dumb jokes all the time. So it's dads like, are always lovable idiots. You know, it's just know. A, that's a thing. It is. It's a very trophy thing, and people always get a, You know, that's always a negative in the in the reviews. I'm just like, yeah, but it is. I mean, I am. It's it is me there doing those dumb things. So. That's know. a stupid to... criticism with a lot of these horror movies. Like you, you, you also ne you never know how someone would react in that situation. And I personally, sure. especially, especially in Stillborn, um, Jesse Moss, you got a really killer performance out of him. And uh, I'm gonna be honest, like I, I wasn't really a fan of his before, like I, because he always plays the Weasley character. He, in my opinion, he seems like the guy of if, if he was in the mob, he'd be the first one to snitch. <laughs> he's he's like Jimmy the Squealer. Yeah, yeah, it's like Tucky and Dale versus Evil. He's yeah, a pop caller. That's, that's exactly. Just and he he's in Wolf Cop and he's in Ginger Snaps. But you got a really good grounded performance out of him. And I was you got great performances out of everyone in that film and in Z. But uh, like you've you've had the opportunity to work with some pretty amazing actors. Like especially being a Canadian boy, you got to cast Stephen McCaddy in the counselor role. And then uh, in in Stillborn, you cast Michael Ironside in the counselor yeah. role, and that's really cool to see that you uh, that's a personal thing to you that you experienced and you were able to put legendary actors in those roles as well in your films. Yeah, it's really weird because I mean, when you're getting these actors, you're not you're not getting them ahead of time because their schedules are so dense. So it's really something that falls like a few days before it happens. So you're in the middle of shooting, and then you know someone will come up and be like, "Hey, we got Michael Ironside." And you're just like. Holy crap, like that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as a first time filmmaker and you're all of a sudden gonna have this like titan of the the industry walk into the set and and you're just like, I hope I don't crap my pants and I hope I, I say the right things all the time. And you know, you hope for a Michael Ironside like experience where he comes in and he like couldn't be more generous with your with your time and, and his time and he just you know he's obviously done this a zillion times and he's still interested in the craft and, and which was really cool. So that was a really fun experience. But yeah, it was funny with Jesse because I didn't know him that much either. Like I knew, I knew him from Tucker and Dale. I knew him from extraterrestrial where he was the douchey goth kid. Exactly. Like, That's another that, one. <laughs> and so when Colin, he suggested him for the dad, I was just like, I was like, what? No, like that's a terrible idea. He's always <laughs> this like bratty dude, you know? And then uh, I had some Skype conversations with him and, he, you know, he had kids, and we we talked a lot about 
sort of what this character was going through and these kind of things. And, and it, it was, you know, it was pretty obvious that he understood it and he, he totally identified with it. So it was cool that he came on because he, he's, he's very young looking guy. He, you know, he looks young, so he plays a lot of young roles. And I think he wanted to try something a little bit older. So um, it was cool for him to, you know, step up and play, a, a, you know, a very grounded adult character. Um, but he was great. He's a total pro, just like knocks it out of the park. Very easy yeah. to direct. A yeah, lot of I was, guys are. I was very surprised by, I have uh, give, by how good. I have to give big props to Stephen McCaddy's character in Z for using Windows 98 to show a video <laughs> instead of like an iPhone 11. <laughs> That's a big gripe I have in movies, like uh, modern movies, where they, for some reason, like the old guy who probably doesn't know how to use an iPhone would like throw up an iPhone, but it made perfect sense for him to have Windows 98. That was awesome. I love that. that that's a situation when, because I was doing the VFX <clears throat> and you have to figure out what goes on the screen and you, you do have those conversations where you're like, well, what is he using to show this? Because it's like, at first, the, the initial, just to get the idea across, it's just like a full screen video. But then it's like, <laughs> well, that's not probably how it would be. And so you have to like build up this fake Windows space. And you're like, well, he wouldn't use like Windows 8 or Windows 10. Like, you got you to gotta go back. And he's old. So you just say, yeah, you, you, you make it a specific time period that kind of makes sense for his character. Well, but uh, it's funny. He doesn't even click full screen on it. It's just a little window <laughs> <laughs> on the computer. So it's, hey. it, it's such an old man move it still sold me yeah, yeah. speaking of v- vfx work like you're you you are a vfx artist as well and you've worked on the multiple films but like so you've done both of your own films and then you also worked on uh bliss and vfw and from what i understand you're doing some work on aaron's new film the pale door yeah uh, how did how did that come to be like where you have you always kind of had your hand in that in that category or you just kind of found yourself doing it one day yeah, it was kind of a situation where um, when I was working for this corporate production company, I would uh, I would often get really kind of bored creatively. So I would take gear home and I would just shoot little things for myself. And since it was just like me and my my wife, it was there's not much you can do. So uh, I would shoot things where I'm like, all right, well, let's what if there's like a crowd of me and I would shoot a little green screen thing and then I would duplicate me and I would just be like, okay, that's interesting. And I'd learn that and then I would start just trying new things out and. It didn't really ever become a thing that I was really interested in until I did this uh, web series pilot called Black Ice. And uh, it was basically a wall-to-wall VFX because it's supposed to take place in like the Colorado mountains and it's super snowy. And uh, in Vegas, just outside of Vegas, like 30 minutes away, there's a a mountain called Mount Charleston that gets a ton of snow. Like you go up there and you're like, I can't believe I'm this close to Vegas. And... uh, um, we, we scheduled it in January when it's usually super snowy. We had cast coming in from LA, all this stuff. And so we couldn't delay it. So when there was a little heat wave came in and everything melted, we had to shoot with no snow. And so we shot this thing over two days and, uh, you know, I edited it together and it's like, this doesn't make any sense because it's not snowy. And so I had to go through and add snow and not, not just like falling particles, but on the ground, like rotoscope every frame of that movie or of that thing. And, you know, put snow on the ground, put snow on the trees, put snow everywhere to make it feel different. And, and like 45 to 50 percent of it looks good. The rest of it's kind of iffy. Um, but I learned just like a ton of stuff on that. And so when I was doing Stillborn, um, I had kind of the confidence where I'd be like, OK, well, I, I think I know how to do this. And I would kind of figure my way through. Like that was where I really learned how to do screen comps, like changing, changing out you know, computer monitors and stuff like that. And then I got better at that. And then on, on Z, it was like, okay, well, what can we do, you know, on this one? And uh, there was a ton of huge challenges in that film. Um, 
that I had to learn and just try and for you know brute force my way through. But yeah, by the end of Z, I was just like, okay, I think I can tackle most things. You know, if it's not like a golem type creature, I'm gonna be okay. And so I, you know, I picked up a couple shots on Bliss, and that ended up being a few more shots. And then uh, they got me to do VFW, and that was uh, 30 or 40 shots. And then yeah, I just finished the Pale Door with Aaron, and that was that ballooned up to like 110 shots, I think. Uh, oh wow. Yeah, and I did Spiral, not not the Saw Spiral, another Spiral film we did uh, that's coming out later this year that Kurt Harder directed. Um, I did a lot on that. There's probably about 100. And uh, uh, what else did I do? I, I just started another one right now, um, working with the editor from BFW and Bliss, Josh, Josh Ethier. It's a, it's a, another, it's it's cool. I'm not sure if it's public. It's a Guy Pierce movie, but it's cool. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, it's, okay. uh, so I've started that and it's, uh, it's, it's cool. It's going to be fun. But yeah, I think, I, I don't know. There's just, it, I think it's a good tool to have in your belt where you can handle these things and you don't have to rely on others because, um, you know, everyone always makes fun of the idea of fix it in post. Like, Oh, we'll just fix it in post. When you're the guy fixing it in post, it kind of gives you, you know, pause on what you can and cannot fix in post. So it makes you kind of a little bit more aware of what you have to do. And so you can make those decisions at the time. Like, okay, yeah, this if I save the 20 minutes here, it'll take me about eight hours later to fix is that, you know, you're kind of like weighing, weighing those two things together. But, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I'm kind of, it's, it's fun to be able to do and I can do it from home so I can work around the kids and stuff like that. Uh, but it's, it's something that I, you know, I'm definitely more and more interested in for sure. Uh, now that you have Z coming out, uh, yeah, I guess it's already out. Uh, what's next for you? See, there's the question. <laughs> it's uh, I, I've I've got a few things that I'm kind of developing. Um, I have a script that I wrote. It's my first solo script, um, and it's kind of at the the crappy first draft stage right now. Okay. Uh, it's it's uh, we were actually supposed to go to camera on it like right now. Uh, my calendar popped up the other day, and it's like start production on Superhost, and it's this uh, it's kind of a, a feature that I wrote, and it's totally different from what I've done. It's still horror, but it's a uh, it's more like uh, creep. It's creep style, you know, like very small, very intimate film, and something that I can shoot close to home, which was a big deal. Um, I just wanted to not have to schedule my movie around like the kids schooling and going home for two or three months and just like being away. It's, it's just a lot more challenging. So I can, so I, I, yeah, I wrote this idea with just like, what can I do cheaply and efficiently and just like sort of nail, you know, knock it out. And, uh, and so we, we have this thing, but then, you know, this whole COVID-19 thing happened. So it's, everything's on pause. So hopefully I'll be able to do it, um, you know, July, August or something like that. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But it's okay. such a small thing that I would hopefully be able to put it together pretty quick. How does it feel working alone as opposed to having someone else with writing? Do you feel like you're uh, questioning yourself a lot more or does it feel a little more fluid? Um, there's like, it's it's mostly terrible. Uh, <laughs> because, I mean, when like confidence is such a key thing when you're writing or directing. Uh, having the ability to just be like, this is right. Uh, this is what it needs to be and kind of going forward with that. And when you're writing with someone, you're able to kind of have those conversations where it's not, you're kind of splitting the load of confidence where you can be right. like, this isn't, you know, this idea, is it good? No, it's not good. Okay. Well, how can we elevate it? And there's a lot of conversations about just throwing bad ideas out there to see how they land. And then you can kind of find the right one. Whereas when you're writing alone, you're kind of taking a lot of those risks where you're like, this is what, you know, this needs to lead to this. 
And then, I mean, you can ask people, but it's still more or less on you to just be like, is that the right thing? And you're trying to find out what makes sense. And it, it is tough. So when you send that first draft out to someone, there's just like, you know, that pit in your stomach, like how bad is this? Especially because first drafts are 99% of the time bad, unless you're like Aaron Sorkin. It's just going to be pretty bad. So yeah, it is tough to just sort of, I mean, it's such a personal thing, making a film, releasing a film and just like being like, here's, here's me. What do you think? And routinely with horror, especially you get a lot of like, this movie sucks. You suck. I hope you die. <laughs> like a lot of that on the internet. So you're just like, oh, you know, um, yeah. and, and that kind of goes to the writing process too, where you're just, it's just a very isolating feeling. And you, it's just, it's so much work to try and put yourself into that space and just be like, okay, I'm going to write for a couple hours here. What is it going to be? And you're staring at a blank page and it's just like, uh, I don't know. So it was, it was good. I mean, there's, there's moments of clarity where you're just like, Oh, this, and it kind of writes itself. And those, those are the moments that are kind of make it all worth it because you know that you're kind of on the right track. Um, but yeah, I've got a really bad first draft that I'm trying to, to fix now. So I was just going to ask, have you had any negative, <laughs> sorry, have yeah, you had fine. any negative feedback in, in terms of uh, like the family dynamics, have you, especially like, let's say stillborn, for example, did you have any like outraged parents or anything? Yeah, there was a, there was a, a lot of it. So when, when uh, the trailer first came out for Stillborn, um, we uh, put it up on our like Stillborn Facebook page, and it was kind of this weird thing where it went viral. Like I'd never seen anything go viral before, but it was one of those things like in 24, 48 hours, it had been shared like 30,000 times, you know, and it was just like a million views on Facebook. And uh, you, every time you go on Facebook, your, your notification thing says 99 plus because it's just so overloaded. And it was like every 10 minutes it was doing that. And it was this, uh, you kind of follow where these things are going. And one big place it went was a, a bunch of women that are, you know, very, they were not happy about the title, you know. And uh, I, I understand why it's a very divisive thing and it's come up before. I mean, you need something more like, you know, another title would be like when the bow breaks or something like that. And it's like, yeah. OK, it's total horror movie title. But when you do something as kind of, uh, you know, stillborn, it can definitely bring a lot of negative feelings up in people that have had, you know, have dealt with that and stuff like that. So um, there was a lot of discussion where you were watching. I was watching from the sidelines, whereas a lot of people were like, I can't believe they made a movie called this. And then you have the other side of people who are like, it's just a title don't worry about it. And you're kind of watching these people all argue about it. And it was like, oh, this is kind of like, I mean, it's good to get that, get any sort of attention, you know, any bad press is, is good press uh, or any press, whatever that is. Um, but uh, it, it was kind of a, such a divisive thing that everyone was kind of, they weren't talking about the film itself. It was just the title and the title doesn't, you know, it, it has to do with stillbirth with the baby dying at the beginning, but it's it's about more than that. And so it just became this kind of conversation about this one thing. And it was, you know, it was, I totally get it. And I, I felt a little bad about it. But at the same time, you're like, would it have gotten any attention if it was called When the Bow Breaks? <laughs> you know, yeah. and it was just this kind of thing. So, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, people people react differently to different things. You know, if you do a movie that has uh you know say a rape in it or something like that like there's a very very passionate uh vocal pe uh, group of people that will get very upset about that and and for you know for good reason that's a it's a terrible thing and so it's just 
it just depends on who's who's seeing it and when they're seeing it and and so many things so it can yeah it can definitely strike a negative chord so you just go if if my biggest uh uh biggest argument now is z or z i think we're in a better spot yeah no <laughs> kidding eh? yeah going back to boozy's question about uh writing though i just i have a quick because you wrote uh z with colin yeah. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. So I personally, I like me a demon. This is mild, mild spoilers. Uh, but I like me a demon with some personality. I've been talking about that on the show for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. We're in the middle of a Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, which is one yeah. of my favorite franchises. And uh, I just want to say, like, was it your decision to make Z prefer 2% milk? That was Colin. That was Colin, actually. It was. I, um, I really I appreciated know. that. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. It was just... It was just like a random dumb idea that was thrown out and it just was like, yeah, that's funny. And it put in because I mean, that's that's kind of the thing where it's like taking taking uh, credit for certain things is is tricky when you're writing. I know a lot of like TV writers, there's such big rooms where it's just like ideas develop from other ideas and stuff like that. So it's hard to trace it back to where it came from. But I do remember Colin throwing that out. And it's just like, I don't know what we were talking about at that point. But uh, there's so many bad ideas and good ideas that all kind of mesh together that it's just, you know, there's certain things that just pop up. But uh, yeah, I do remember him saying that. And it is it is really funny because it's just yeah. like such a random dumb thing <laughs> no it's definitely yeah. adds some levity to the situation i love that right. scene um but yeah so going on from just to i guess like we'll just move on to talking about your top five favorite uh creepy kid movies but uh yeah like the, for anyone out there z is now available and you can go back and check out stillborn um but for me like watching those movies it kind of brought back memories of the the sleepover experience that you'd have as a kid and these are definitely those types of movies that would kill in that setting and uh so i hope that these have more life than just like obviously they will but uh i hope people check them out after the quarantine and everything in a group setting because i think they're going to kill in that setting um, but yeah. from from here, if you want to talk about, it, we can just talk about your top ten or top five favorite creepy uh, kids. I was movies. like ten. No. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I could I could even come up with one movie I want to remake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I guess before you get right into the list, I was just curious. Um, why are kids spooky? Like kids are always creepy. Do you think it's because of our own childhoods that haunts us, or like that? For me, a kid having like terrifying nightmares or even going through something like in z for me that is always like that that is always one of the scariest things it's almost too relatable or something or, like or the baby monitors like baby right. monitors are always terrible yeah they're like there's always something about those like early childhood experiences that are like forever kind of terrifying i think there's a number of things i think one is just like as a human being you see these smaller and defenseless things and you kind of have that innate desire to protect them so when they're put in a situation that's dangerous, it kind of just like ins- instinctually you want to protect them. And so kids, you know, I, I, do any of you have kids? No, not yet. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, when you have kids, like it, it's amplified like crazy because, I mean, there's a period between like eight months and two-ish where they're basically just suicide machines. Like they just, <laughs> their entire existence is just based on killing themselves you know in any way they can and your your singular focus at that time is just like stop the kid from killing itself because it doesn't know any better but everything it does is going to kill it so yeah it's just it's just like that's sort of ingrained in you immediately as a parent where you're just like 
it's all about protectionist. Uh, and so I think that's a big part of it when you see a kid. I think the other thing is it's the same reason why kids are clowns are creepy because there's just this weird disconnect between something that is supposed to be cute and innocent that takes on a whole different meaning with just like the subtlest twist on it, like Pennywise. Right. It's a clown. It's supposed to be fun for kids. But when you look at it through a, an adult's perspective, it's just like, this is actually awful. You know, like <laughs> these garish colors and this weird laugh and all these things. It's just like, it's just like, what are we doing here? Like, what is happening? How did we get to this point where this thing was deemed friendly? Because <laughs> it's awful. Like, it's just terrible. And I think there is probably a little bit of that nostalgia creeping in where you have these like terrifying clown dolls and things like that, that uh, it's just like, what? I, I don't, it's hard to quite figure out when did we ever think this was okay and when did we ever think it was, you know, it wasn't. And so um, I think that's a big part of it. And I think just the visual, like haunted nurseries are always so big in horror movies. Like you go visit a closed down hospital and you get to the nursery wing and all of a sudden things just take a creepier turn because yeah. there's just, you know, the, the, the empty pram in the hallway. There's like the creepy rocking chair, all these things that are just supposed to be innocent. They just they're dark now and when they're dark there's something scary about that and i don't i don't fully know why but it's uh i think it's just like the juxtaposition of what you expect something to be and what it actually feels like when you're looking at it under a certain light um but uh yeah i don't know kids are kids are weird man they're uh they're they're just they're just scary like like the whole scares <laughs> The whole monitor thing in Stillborn came from just, we had that baby monitor, the exact same baby monitor. You're always looking in the crib at night. And then, you know, you just have that thought, like, what if something just reached in and grabbed it? And they're across the room, you know, they're on the other side of the house. I'm over here. I, I'm totally defenseless. They're defenseless. Like, that's a terrible thing, you know, thing. And you just want to, you don't want that to happen. So it's kind of just taking any of those parental, uh, just anything that's kind of, benign on the surface and just thinking what's the worst thing that could happen right now and then you kind of just fall into this trap of just like oh man like that that would be terrible and let's write that down so a lot of stuff comes from that and i think being a parent gives you a little bit more insight on certain situations that that could come up that are that have the potential to be uh very scary I love the idea that of you and your wife having a family and having kids and using it as inspiration to come up with horrifying horror movie ideas. <laughs> uh, I mean, and, my wife is anti-horror, hates horror. Oh, really? Yeah, that's crazy. So, 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 like, what did what does she think of your films then, especially uh, ones with your kids in them, like uh, the Scaredy Cat short? She she thinks it's cool because the kids are acting yeah. and stuff, but she doesn't yeah. like. She would never seek that out. Um, I think it's different now that I've made a couple films and stuff, but she like you know, part of stillborn not having blood and guts and stuff like that was just so I could appeal to someone like her that could be like, it's a little bit more psychological and there's some jump stuff in it. But in general, it's something that she could maybe watch. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, since she's, she's so anti-horror because she has, you know, crippling anxiety about certain things like those, what could go wrong? Like she's the king of that. Um, so she's a great resource to be like, Hey, I need something horrifying to happen on page 12 because you know, the kid's doing this thing and she's like, Oh, obviously it's this terrifying thing. <laughs> and, and so she's, she's kind of a goldmine for stuff like that, which is great. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it is weird that she's, she's sort of on the fringes, but I mean, a lot of the, the scariest stuff have come from her, you know, like the Z toy, that stuff's actually, I have that right here. Oh, that's cool. Oh. 
Oh, oh sweet. Wow, wow. The original prop. <laughs> yeah, I, t- I took it from the set. Is it still uh, uh is it still programmed? No, it has like a button on the back. Viewer people listening probably hate this part. But it has a button on the back that you could turn on and it would cycle through the the message that it goes. But then it also had like a remote that we could trigger the Z with remotely. Um, Can you hit us with a Z? Do you still have the batteries in there? No, (laughs) and everything was stripped out because we it was all like borrowed stuff. So it's um, as far as I know, yeah, nothing. It's all it's all like the guts. Could you hit us with a Z? (laughs) (laughs) I was so excited for a second, just gonna start hitting it. (laughs) No, Um, I wish. Oh, sorry. No, um, I was gonna ask both your films uh, deal with like strong female characters. Does your wife help you with writing that, or are you just inherently good at writing female characters? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I mean I think I living with one, you you definitely pick up a lot of things, and and I mean these aren't happy characters, and you know they're they're typically people that are unfulfilled, even though they you know on the surface it might look like they they have kind of everything. Um, I just think that you can put a lot of of stuff that you see at home. I'm not saying my wife's unfulfilled, but maybe she is. <laughs> you'd have to ask her. But uh, just in general, just the idea of just it's that whole American beauty thing where it's things are often, you know, they look so pretty outside. But then you go inside and there's everything's kind of fractured and disheveled. So, I mean, I I don't think that when you're writing these things, it's it's really about girl or boy. It's just about. Uh, you know, it's about their past and who the, the character is as a person. Because, you know, we, we talked about gender flipping the roles early on when uh, it was just like, you know, what if it's the dad that's the stay-at-home thing and, you know, trying to, to change it up. But um, I don't know, just personally, I find the idea of a mother, just because I can, you know, I see my own wife and I, I've experienced right. a lot of her. I just really identify with that. So it's it's just very much about... Um, and less about their gender, just more about my own experiences and dealing with, you know, anxiety and, and trauma and things like that. And just sort of seeing how it plays out in real life and trying to be as true to it as possible kind of thing. But, um, you know, I think it, it's it's uh, most of it is good actors. You know, when you get someone like Keegan in the role that can take it and just make it work. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that's on the page is not very good compared to how they make it and what they bring to it. So that's, you know, that's really lucky because they're, you know, you're only as good as, you know, the people around you. Right. Okay. Yeah. Before, uh, before we get on to the top five uh, creepy kid movies, I just want to, before we cap this off, what are some recent horror movies that you've seen that uh, have stood out to you or like, what's some stuff that you'd recommend to people check out that maybe uh, you think that has just stood out to you? Um, it, it can be anything big, anything small, whatever stuff right. that has just inspired you. Uh, I love, I, I, you know, I think what Ari Aster is doing is really cool. Um, I think like he's just sort of working on another level when dealing with grief. Um, you know, hereditary was so, was super powerful. I think, uh, that just like, there's just sequences in his films that are just so, just like so incredible, like the uh, the whole second act beginning where Tony Collette is reacting to what happened to her daughter. Um, that whole sequence is just like so well put together with such a crazy good performance. And uh, and uh, Midsummer, which is I don't think it's quite as good, but it's uh, that opening sequence where it's a very similar thing. It's just like so haunting when you just have these 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 characters that are just so destroyed and and they're not pulling any punches. They're just, uh, it's just, you're dealing with this horrible, horrible thing. And it's, it's so real that 
when, you know, if you're ever in the unfortunate situation where you're dealing with that, it really is, it feels true to life, you know? And so I think, I don't know what Ari Aster has gone through in real life to, for him to kind of pull that out. Uh, I don't really want to know cause it sounds awful, but, uh, <laughs> he's, he's definitely doing a good job. Um, one movie that I really loved was, uh, the gift with Jason Bateman. It's a few oh, years yeah. old. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a great but movie. It, it's another film that on the surface seems like it's going to be really dumb. Like, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah creepy neighbor, Gordo the weirdo. It's like, okay, whatever. But it just, the, the characters are so well realized, and there's so much backstory that slowly involves, or, uh, uh, you know, uh, unveils itself that um, I think it's super effective. It's not crazy scary, but it makes you think, and it, it you know, leaves some things open for interpretation at the end. And it's just, um, you know, Jason Bateman's such a phenomenal actor, actor that uh, it, it just, it's just so great. I'm, I'm curious why, um, his name Joel uh, Gordo. Edgerton. Is, Edgerton. Yeah, Joel, yeah, why he hasn't really done any other films because he directed that and it's so good. Um, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, uh, there was also um, uh, what was it? Um, crap, a house, a haunting of Hill House. I'm a, I'm a huge Flanagan fan. Yeah, um, me too. I think what he's done with like the haunting of Hill House was was just awesome. You know, that's like dream job type of thing. Being able to take that long to tell a story and do a series. That's you know, if if I could do anything, that's what that would be. But uh, you know, things like Hush, um, Oculus was so awesome. Um, uh, Gerald's Game, which should be terrible. That movie's awesome. I don't know if you've seen yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that was so good. that was really surprising how good it was. So good, and that the degloving scene near the end is oh, literally God. like yeah. the worst thing I've ever seen on film. So gross. Uh, so good though. Um, what else is there? I'm trying to think. There's been a lot of bad stuff, but uh, oh, uh, don't don't breathe. I thought that was really cool. Love it. Yeah, that was really good. Um, green great. room. Green room wasn't. It's not really horror, but man, it's good. Yeah, there's we're something about uh, we're yeah. huge green room fans on the show here. Yeah, the, you know, there's something about. I know you're good buddies with Aaron and everything, but uh, it seems like maybe your whole group of friends we would get along with very well because it seems I'm like sure. we have very similar tastes. Yeah, because uh, sure. those those are all things that we love as well. So, cool. and we have similar sentiments on. So that's great, man. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's celebrate Z with your top five creepy kid movies. Uh, so, how did you go about making this list? Did you just uh, choose choose the ones that came to mind, or did you have any kind of format that you followed? No, no format. I was just sort of making a, a rough list of ideas that either inspired or they, uh, you know, they were kind of just uh, terrifying films that I saw when I was a kid. So I would say the first one's the original Children of Corn. Um, oh, okay. I, I I saw that in the fifth grade or around there, and uh, it was just it's another one of those things that I shouldn't have been watching. And uh, just the whole Malachi-Isaac relationship and just how evil they were and just like their performances are so just unnerving that I remember walking home from my friend's house after I watched it and it was middle of the day, suburbia Calgary, and it was just terrifying to walk because you're just like, where are all the adults right now? You know, have the kids <laughs> taken over? So it was, it was super scary. Um, awesome. Uh, Pet Cemetery. that's a great one. Yeah, that's um, a, that's one that doesn't get brought up enough in the conversation of creepy kid movies because it right. often isn't looked at as a creepy kid movie. But goddamn, is it ever? <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen the new one. Uh, I I bought it, but I haven't watched it yet. I need to. Um, but yeah, Gage, that kid. I mean, he you know he went from that to Full House, and yeah. he you know his he's I don't know how old he is. He's got to be four or five, but his like scary scalpel face 
is yeah. horrifying. I mean, that movie has so many terrifying things in it, like uh, the 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 Zelda, the girl in it that yeah. you know, lives in their house and is dying. Like it's just that skinny dude in makeup, and he's just. Oh, it's just awful. And, um, you know, the whole slitting the Achilles heel moment. Is, oh, man. Uh, just so so gnarly. But that, that led to so many different, you know, nightmares of just uh, kids being under your, under your couch, you know, under your bed or something like that. It's just, uh, there's just something about kids, you know, it's just, you, you give a kid a scalpel and make them frown. And it's, it's just, <laughs> it's, you know, you can kick that guy across the room and disarm him very quickly. But uh, you you don't, and they end up killing you, and that's that's a very scary way to go. I mean, depending who you talk to, Pet Cemetery and Full House are just as terrifying. So <laughs> I think there could be yeah. a connection. I, that I think kid, the, that kid is so good too. He went on to make, uh, or he was in Night, uh, Wes Craven's new Nightmare as well. And that oh, kid right. just has so much so much charisma totally. for a little kid. Yeah, yeah, it's um. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's very weird. I guess the more you know about Bob Saget, the weirder Full House gets. <laughs> right. Oh, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, um, the next one I would say is um, Insidious, which doesn't yeah. totally seem like a kid film, but because of you know the kid is the catalyst that when he gets sick and he goes into the the other world and stuff like that. I think that movie's first two acts are so good. Like as inspiration for something like Stillborn, where you're very small locations, you know, it's a very it's mu- it's very much a house film. Um, it just it does a lot with very little, um, and it's very it's it's things that people you know families and stuff they deal with where you 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 have that fear of child. There's the the figure over the um, the ner- you know behind the crib. There's the the sound on the the baby monitor. Um, there's the alarm going off inexplicably, which was explained randomly later in another in the other films, but um. Uh, yeah, I feel like that movie did a great job of just that, like, suburban horror, uh, setup. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was really great. Uh, yeah, that movie's it, amazing. I, and the Darth Maul jump scare is, you know, an all-timer. <laughs> totally. There's so many great scares in that movie. That movie's just like a clinic for, like, it just can teach someone jump scares. Yeah, and it's, and it's interesting because it, from the opening moments of, like, the opening credits, it has such a terrifying feel to it. There's, like, that weird, the scratchy music um and just the the imagery over the credits with the it's like it feels like it feels like someone went online and were like you know when you see it you'll shit bricks those images yeah. where you're like looking <laughs> and it feels like the entire credits are just comprised of those images where you're just kind of leaning in totally that looking for the scary thing um, that video that viral video of reagan from the exorcist popping up when everyone had that video go around totally. when they were kids yeah totally totally um, so it, it feels like it has that and it just, uh, you know, it just, I don't know, super creepy stuff. James Wan is, you know, he's, he's so talented at that stuff. Um, the next one, I, it was kind of split between the conjuring two and, um, and it, the miniseries, I kind of lean towards it, the miniseries, uh, because of the effect it had on me personally, you know, I've already talked about how scared I was. And when I saw it at the, the perfect right time, I, I wouldn't put chapter one or chapter two anywhere near that just from a personal standpoint. I think chapter one was pretty good, but I don't know if you guys read, read have you read it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ooh, no, I actually haven't read the book. None okay, of us. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, it's an incredible book. And even though the miniseries is kind of crappy, um, it does a lot better of a job translating the book into what you know what actually happened whereas and and it's weird because i feel like the new movies they you know the production values are all insane the cast is all amazing 
but it's never scary because Pennywise is totally neutered. He never does anything. He's always like, I'm going to run at you fast, and then you get away. And then, oh, I'm going to run at you fast, and you're going to get away. And it's just, it's kind of repeating. And then the second one got even worse because it's like, um, there's the scene with Jessica Chastain where she's sitting across from the old woman. It was kind of like the first teaser for the film. Incredible yeah. stuff, super unnerving. And then randomly after like Jessica Chastain Bev's putting everything together, the old woman comes out and she's like this giant CG monster and it looks like a Goosebumps film. And it's like, <laughs> and you're just like, what is happening? Like why? It was so unnerving and there's so much tension. And then you just ruined it all with this dumb CG stuff. Um, so I feel like, you know, as so much money and so much, you know, it's so popular and stuff now, but I feel like it just doesn't come close to the original. Um, and then the conjuring too is just so good because it puts so much, I, I'm, I'm stealing, I'm making six by the way. That's just, what we're <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Uh, the conjuring too, just puts a lot of pressure on these kids because they're, they're dealing with a lot of those bump in the night scenes, like the kid following the toy into the, the tent and they're putting so much effort on these things you know these things and reacting horrified and they're dealing with the haunting where it's you know you know it's not just uh it's not just like the parents perspective of things you get a lot of the kids like the kid sitting and he's she's getting interviewed and she becomes the guy in the chair behind him and stuff and you see the shadow morph behind her when he when she goes out of focus and all that stuff i mean just it's so cool to see kids bring it like that um there was that movie the good son with macaulay and elijah Oh that, man, I love that movie. Yeah, it's a great film, and uh, just the audacity for a studio to be like, "Hey, we're gonna put this movie on these ten-year-old shoulders," you know, like, oh. and and they carry it. Like, other than a couple of janky moments in there that I can think of, uh, it's it's really cool. Like, it's they're they're totally bringing that film. You know, it's, it holds up really well, and it's so disturbing. It is funny though when you watch it now, because when we when we started writing Z, uh, my wife and I. Um, that was a film that we watched too. And, and it's really kind of some creative choices are very strange. Like they literally use comic sans for the credits. Yeah. 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 I remember that. Yeah. (laughs) And, and like very nineties. Yeah. And the music, it's so cheery. It feels like a coming of age Disney film. And then, you know, it's not at all, but it, so it's just this weird tonal shift. A lot of the times in the movie that kind of hides what's actually lurking in there, which is quite scary. Um, and then lastly, uh, I want to, I would say orphan. That's kind of like, uh, it is kind of the creepy kid movie because it, and it deals with so many similar themes with that, that, uh, Z does where you've got this kid that's not fully accepted. Uh, you've got, you know, this, this kid that is creating trauma for the family and just sort of, uh, not only just bringing this horrible stuff in, but actively fracturing the family unit and, and you know, tearing it apart from within. And uh, I think it's, you know, it's so impressive just uh, just how simple the idea is of and, and how stupid the twist is. But I think it's like, such a wicked twist, though. It, it is in, yeah. it, when you watch it. But it's a movie. But yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's crazy. Because I before I saw it, I, I heard someone spoil it for me. They're like, "Oh man, this movie's so stupid." It's like a circus kid, an adult that's playing a kid, and I was just like, "I was like, wow, I'm never gonna watch that." But then when I did watch <laughs> it, even though I knew the twist and I knew it was coming, I was still just sort of like totally lost in it. And it and it's because I mean, you've got Vera Farmiga who's so good. You've got Peter Skarsgård yeah. who's so good. Um, CCH Pounder as the nurse, uh, she's great. Um, yeah. It's just like when you put good actors on screen, it elevates the material so much. And they did such a good job there. 
Yeah, um, absolutely. Those are some solid picks. That it's also did you hear about that real life uh occurrence that happened with uh yeah. there was like someone who actually orphaned yeah. someone? It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I I would just say an honorable mention to the sixth sense because Oh yeah. That that's like the ultimate amazing performance from a kid, like ever. And uh, you know, it's just I, I don't know if it's it is totally a horror film. It's got some terrifying stuff in it. But uh yeah, that movie's dope. And I could have yeah. put that in my list as well, but it uh you know, I was trying to think a little bit outside of the box. Yeah, it's scared. That movie scared the bejesus out of me when I was a kid. Wow, totally. So good. Okay. Do you guys have any uh, creepy kid movies that you can recall? Like some ones that stuck with you as a kid? Because like oh. I talked, I talked about it on a recent episode. But uh, Brandon, are you familiar with a movie called Mikey? I am. I don't know if I mean I. I think I watched that when I was like very young. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time either, but it's it's on Tubi now, so I want to watch it. (laughs) Shout out Tubi! Shout out to Tubi! (laughs) We love Tubi. I I think until this moment, I had completely forgotten that movie existed. Yeah, (laughs) and and so that's one that uh, might be fun. Well, I guess you're probably over the whole uh, creepy kid, killer kid thing at this point. You probably want a little bit of a palate cleanser, but uh, that's one that I definitely want to check out again. The other one that I want I wanted to mention personally is a film that was made Moose Jaw Grace. directed by Paul by directed by Paul Solid. Um it's it's a really cool uh it would be a good double feature with Stillborn. Yeah. I like I like Stillborn more. But <laughs> but uh Grace is cool. Grace cool. is a cool movie and it was yeah, it was filmed filmed in Moose Jaw produced by Adam Green mm. uh from uh Hatchet fame. Oh cool. But, Did, was um Blood Quantum shot wasn't that around Saskatchewan? I I don't know if it was uh actually I th- Think, I think the I th- filmmaker's from there. Uh, I he's from Odd, or I could be wrong here. Where, where I'm drawing a blank here, but yeah, because I'm kind of obsessed with that movie right now. <laughs> oh yeah, um, the lead is from Saskatchewan. Oh, yeah, they, okay. okay, okay. Yeah, he Michael Gray is from Saskatchewan. It was filmed in Quebec. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, but uh, oh man, I'm so obsessed with that guy right now, uh, Jeff Barnaby. I watched his first film, Rhymes for Young Ghouls, last night. Just huh. so so good. But nice. Barnaby's from Quebec as well. Nice. Yeah, yeah. The there's some. That, uh, sorry, I was just, just going to say the guy that mixed Stillborn and did the sound design. He did Blood Quantum too. Oh, oh that's sick. awesome. Yeah, so that's yeah. Cool. And there's some beautiful places in Canada to shoot your movies. So, mm-hmm. broad <laughs> listeners, shoot For in sure. Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. Calgary isn't really known as uh, as you know a, a huge production hub compared to like Toronto and Vancouver, but um, uh, it's it's incredibly diverse uh, with its locations you know you've got you go out of the city it's very plains you can go downtown it's very urban you've got the suburban settings it's just a ton of texture with like old warehouse type areas and stuff like that and it's it's nice because i'm in las vegas where anything old is torn down immediately and just uh, replaced with something new so there's not a lot of that history or texture here um so it is always fun to kind of go home and explore those places that have been aging while i've been aging and just seeing them again <laughs> So it's kind of, it's always fun to see. Yeah, no that kidding. scene with the train and Z, definitely a familiar uh, landscape for like where mm-hmm. we're from, for sure. Totally. Sure. That's one thing I guess... that I, I always think about. In, sorry, Kyle, uh, and oh. then you can pop in right after. But one thing I always think about is uh, movies have always scared me more when they look like they were made around where I grew up. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, like, totally. I know I know this movie has an incredible amount of stink around it, rightfully so. But Jeepers Creepers scared the shit out of me as a kid because right. you can understand growing up around the prairie, sort of. It mm-hmm. looks like it was kind of like it looks like Saskatchewan. And, you know, totally. there's a lot of 
filmed a lot of uh, scenes and and both stillborn and obviously z they're both in calgary so those are things that you can kind of they bring you back to your roots and it, yeah. it makes it spookier yeah and i think when it, that's like why i like family and parental horror stuff because it's it's something that connects with people like it doesn't it's not a place it's a it's just like a feeling that you get as a parent that you can kind of tap into that for people and everyone you know everyone that has kids there is a lot of shared experiences um, so that's always nice. What were you saying, Kyle? I just had a dumb question. I wanted to know if you fuck with the Calgary Stampede or not. <laughs> uh, not no, I haven't been there since I was super young. I It, it was kind of like one of those things where when I was getting to be 18, uh, there was like two paths. Like my friends were all into the partying at Stampede. And I was like, I was more into the video games and movies and stuff like that. And so I know that I, path all too well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I definitely took that path pretty hard. And, uh, I, I, like there was definitely like a separation there and that, that kind of made me, I was definitely a lot more online. Like my friendships more shifted to online and stuff like that, like being friends with people online and everything. So I, um, you know, that's when I moved to Toronto and I, I kind of just re, redid all that, uh, you know, just sort of found new friends and all that stuff because I, it just wasn't ever appealing to me to go there. I mean, now looking back, I'm like, oh, I should have gone to Stampede and partied every time, you know. Uh, but uh, at the I time... I think you turned was, out all right. I think you're yeah, okay. okay. You're doing okay. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting to, to think back. And now it's been canceled this year for the first time in like 100 years or something. There you go. Yeah, it's insane. So take like that. Z so take that. Yeah, Z wasn't canceled. Z is the new stampede. Yeah, take that, friends in high school. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Brandon. This was awesome. I hope you had a good time, and uh, best of luck with your with your new film Z. And we hope everyone checks it out this weekend. Absolutely. And uh, we can't wait to keep up to up to date with what you're up to going forward from this, and hopefully keep in contact with you and have you back on in the future if you're ever interested. And whenever you want to talk about horror movies or anything that you got going on, you're always welcome here. So we really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to talk with us. Cool. Yeah, thank you Thanks for having me. Guys. Yeah, this, this was, was great. Awesome. It was fun. All right, man. Well, you have an absolutely awesome day, and once again, congratulations. Cool. Thanks, dudes. All right. See you later, man. Take care. Bye.